Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. I feel a special unction of the Holy Ghost this morning, special touch of God's Spirit. What I mean is there's, I think, some direction God wants to give our church and wants to give us. And uh, for the next few months, how we're going to be focusing our energies, our efforts for the kingdom of God. So if you would open up your heart and open up your spirit this morning, I wanted to preach to you about an open door and ask the Lord to touch us. Jesus, we need you. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by uh, any other thing, but it is by your spirit. Lord Jesus, we cannot do anything without your spirit. Without your spirit, we're just a club, an agency, a group of people. But by your spirit, we come alive. And by your spirit, we live and move and have our being, God. So this morning, would you, would you breathe on us? Would you speak through me, Lord, and deliver what you want to say to this precious group of people? God, I pray that you'd anoint my lips, Lord Jesus, to speak your words. And in my heart, to hear my voice, to say what you want to say. In Jesus' name, we love you. We worship you today. Amen. You may be seated. As a church... We've tried our best to wrap what we do and why we exist into four words. As a, an organization, we want to kind of make it simple and cohesive and, and succinct. And we often talk about this. It's on our, our website. Uh, mostly, if you're part of any of our, our leadership teams, you'll hear this probably more often than, than not. But uh, we have four words we like to rally around when we talk about what we do as a church. Those words are love, connect, grow, and go. Now, briefly, I'm just going to share with you a little bit of the vision behind each of these words and why they mean something to PLC, why they mean anything to Pentecostal Lighthouse Church. Well, love, we exist to love because God is love. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And then the second commandment is that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So if we're going to do anything here at PLC, it's going to be to love God and to love others. That's going to be the number one focus. We're going to worship with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, with all of our strength, because we love God. But we're also going to pray with our neighbor. We're going to minister to other people because we love not just God, but we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Loving God is expressed in how we treat one another. Jesus even said that, that by this all men would know you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. So a, a, a sister component to that, that act of love is connection. Because love without connection is empty, is not really meaningful. So as a church, we exist to foster community and belonging. We, we want to come together to worship together, connect with one another in a church building. But more importantly, we want to also connect outside of church time. In the last four weeks, we've been running something called interest-based groups. And many of you have been a part of those uh, little gatherings outside of the church 
meeting outside of the Sunday worship gatherings and I'm thankful for what God is doing through those sessions but it's it's this desire to connect and belong we are a family the church is designed to be a family to care for one another to minister to each other that's our our connection point is to one another we connect to God with love and we connect to others as well but we don't want to just love and connect with one another we also want to grow we believe that God's desire is for us to grow spiritually mentally emotionally physically where we want to be a growing church and not just numbers I, sometimes we focus on the numbers and we there there's some kind of a unit of measurement for sure but there is a lot to be said for spiritual growth for internal uh, growth of our hearts, of our, our knowledge of the Word of God. And so this church is, is focused on discipling, on Bible studies, on growing and, and becoming greater in our walk with God. Second Peter 3 verse 18 says, but to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's our mission, our goal. And as a church, we want to grow, but we don't want to just grow, we want to go. And so we're going to love, connect, grow, and go. And go is the next element of what we do. Everything we do at PLC fits into one or more of these categories. And, and this last one is probably the most important because it's one that Jesus himself commissioned us to do. In, in all of the Gospels, there is a record of Jesus commissioning his disciples to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. I believe and this church's uh, its core belief or foundation is built on the fact that everybody in the church is called to go. You're not just called to sit. You're not just called to come and participate or uh, called to come and partake and consume. But we're also called to be contributors and, and emissaries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke 14, 23, Jesus talking said, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so my house will be full. God wants his house full. God wants his house to be full and overflowing. God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's desire that every creature, every nationality, every ethnicity hears the gospel and is given an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Jesus said in John chapter 4 verse 35, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. It's, it's time to wake up. And look around, Jesus said, because the fields are already ripe for harvest. Sometimes we look around at our world, we look around at the people we interact with and we're not sure where they're at. We're not sure how responsive perhaps they are to the gospel, how ready they are to hear the message. But but Jesus said, it, 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 you just need to wake up and look around because the fields are already ripe for harvest. But Jesus uses the illustration of a farmer's field and the, the harvest time, the time of harvest in which Farmers go out into their fields and collect the grain or the fruit from their crops. And, and Jesus is calling this harvest a harvest of souls, of people. Not of grain, not of product, not of finances, 
Not of, of blessings from God, but the fruit that they harvest is people brought into eternal life. When someone is born again of the water and of the spirit, when someone walks with God and repents of their sins and, and, and leaves their life behind, that is what God calls a harvest. A harvest. The seed was planted. The seed grew. The seed now produces fruit, and that is that person receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized, being discipled and walking with the Lord. This is the harvest that God is calling for his church. So God calling us to love, connect, grow, and go. And so this morning I want to impart to you some of the, the door that I think God is going to begin to open for us here in the city of Ajax. This church is not a social club. This is not, we're, we're not here just to entertain one another. And while I, I love what God is doing in our interest-based groups, uh, just having social gatherings is not enough. We cannot be known for just having good, good church and good gatherings, but there's got to be a mission of reaching the lost that, that burns within our hearts, a zeal that burns within our soul, that God wants to put there and wants us to look up and see that there is an open door. There is a door of opportunity. A door is considered to be a movable barrier. It's funny, doors are, you don't think about it too often until you have to go in through a door. How a door can either give you access to something or keep you out of something. You ever gone into an Airbnb I don't know if you've ever stayed in one before, or maybe you stayed in a hotel room, and there's this door, and you, it's closed. And I don't know about you, but I like to open doors that are closed. I, I like looking inside and seeing, is this another room? And sometimes my wife and I have gone on vacation, and we go to an Airbnb or uh, you know one of those staycation places, and, and there's this door that looks like, oh, this might be a room, this might be a closet, I wonder what's inside it. And I open the door, and, and to my dismay, the door is locked. And there's something inside me that wants to go find an old credit card. And, you know, Jimmy the Lock to find out, what are they hiding behind this locked door? I just want to know. It could be something as boring as a mop and a bucket and a vacuum cleaner. But I, I just have this, like, ooh, this door is locked. Why is this door locked? What's behind this door? And obviously I don't really go in there. You never know if there's a camera to take your picture as you open the door. You're not supposed to open. So the door's locked for a reason. But you know what I mean. It's that the door is there and you just want to open it and see what's inside. What's on the other side of that door? What's on the other side of that door? They, they, sometimes they make game shows with doors in them, right? And, and, and uh, they, they, they're hiding something behind it and you've got a guess or come up with the price that's in that box or behind that door. And it's all the suspense and the gratification of when the door opens, you get to see what's on the other side of that door. How many of you have ever been at the recipient of a prank on the other side of a door? You know, you open the door and something jumps out at you. And then everyone laughs and giggles and chuckles around you. Or maybe you're you're, you're, you're sprayed by something. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before, but doors, you never really think about it. They're rather simple, but they, they carry with them so much intrigue. Because what's on the other side of that door? It's, it's the mean of, a means of approaching access to something. It's, 
It's, you know, we, we might say, well, it's the door of learning. You know, you've opened the door to their eye, the, you've opened a new door for that person. What you're saying is, is they, they, there was something that was blocking their, their view. There was a, a, maybe a thought or a concept in their mind that hindered them from getting anywhere. But when that, when that thought or concept was broken open, it was like a new door was open. They began to see things in a different way. A door marks a gateway or an entrance or even an exit from one place to the other. Have you ever been in a place where you were very happy to see the exit sign? You know, you, you were in a, a location and you really wanted to just get home. I remember being in a hospital and there was a fire alarm going off in the hospital. And I, I was, there was people running every which way. And my biggest fear at that moment was that I was going to get stuck in the hospital and they were going to lock it down and I wasn't going to be able to get out. And so I was very glad and very grateful to see the exit door of that hospital because I did not want to get stuck inside this building. I did not want to be restricted to not be able to leave for one reason or another. I was very excited to see the exit door because it meant I got to leave and go home. The door sometimes even represents the whole house, right? You might say to your friend, don't worry, it's the, the door is always open to you. Right. Is that true? No, the door is sometimes closed, locked, and you're not even in the house. But what you're saying is, the door of our relationship is open. You have access to our family. You have access to us. The door is always open. The welcome mat is set out. You're welcome anytime. We want you to know that we have a good relationship. We love you and we want you to return. That's what you're saying. The scripture makes some powerful connection to the idea of doors and doorways in our life and walk with God. In Genesis 4, we learn that 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 sin crouches at the door of our life, seeking access, and it's our job to keep sin on the outside and gain mastery over it and not allow it access into our house, into our home. Mm. We learn in Luke and in Matthew that the door to the kingdom of God is narrow. It's not broad. It's not wide. It's not all-encompassing. It's narrow. The way to God is not many multiple ways. It's one way. The way to get to know God is not through this avenue or that avenue. It's not through uh, spiritualism or meditation or yoga. It's not through uh, all these other avenues and, and venues. It's not through this religion or that religion. But the doorway into the kingdom of God and into relationship with God is very narrow. It's not broad. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow and straight is the way that leads to everlasting life. Jesus identified himself in John 10 as that door. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheepfold, and you've got to come through me if you're going to be saved. If you're going to be saved, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. 
You've got to go through water in his name. You've got, you've got to be baptized in his name. You've got to be filled with his spirit. Jesus said, I am the door to the kingdom, to the sheepfold. And, and, and the thief and the robber jumps over the wall. But if you're going to be part of my sheepfold and part of my, my kingdom, you're going to come through me. I am the door Amen. of the sheep. We also learn in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 that that door of salvation is not going to be open forever. There's coming a day when the door of opportunity for salvation and entrance into the kingdom of God will close. Much like it did for Noah's ark when there was a there was so many years that while Noah was preaching and, and building the ark, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. For many hundred years, for a very long period of time, Noah stood at the door of that ark saying, anybody can come in. And at anybody at any time, you're, you're welcome to come in the ark. But the Bible tells us there was one day when Noah and his family got in the ark and God closed the door of that ark and no one could open it. Once the door was shut, the door was shut permanently. And there was no use banging on it. There was probably people banging on the side of that ark as the rain began to fall. And the floodwaters began to break open as the fountains of the deep loosed in, in that story. And, and yet no matter how much they pounded and how much they banged on the walls of that ark, the door would not open because the door had closed. Opportunity had been closed. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Yes. Don't consider that you can wait to, for another day. Don't, don't, don't mistakenly believe that you can put it off for a time because you don't know when God is going to call your number. You don't know when, when the time is going to be when God is going to, to ring your bell, so to speak, and call you home. It's going to be a day and an hour that you don't know. You don't know the time. You don't know the day or the hour. Jesus told parables of people who missed their door of opportunity into the kingdom. There was the five wives and the five foolish. Remember that story? There was five, five wives who had extra oil and five foolish who didn't bring the extra oil with them. Mm -hmm. And so when they ran out of oil, they went to go find it. When they, by the time they got back, the door to the wedding had closed, had shut, and they were on the outside looking in. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the outside of God's kingdom looking in. When God opens a door, I want to walk through that door. If God opens a window, I want to be able to move through that window and take advantage of that opportunity. Take advantage of that thing. Take advantage of what God is calling me to be a part of and what God is calling me to do. Can we just pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning? Jesus, we need you today. Amen. We need Amen. you, Lord. Hallelujah. We want to be sensitive to the opening. We want to be sensitive to the open door, the opportunities that you're putting before our church for your kingdom and for your glory. Cities in the Bible times did not look like cities today. They were much different. They were different because most cities had a wall around them with the gates, mm -hmm. multiple gates, for you to exit and leave the city, and the gates were controlled. They were, they were timed. At certain times of the day, the gates were closed. And they were closed for the sake of safety of the inhabitants of that city. They were closed to prevent the animals from coming in or leaving. They were closed to prevent... Uh, thieves or marauders from coming into the city and taking advantage of that, that, 
that, that small town or village or city. And so the gates were locked. They, so these gates represented access. They represented a, a place of trade or commerce. When you came to deliver your wares to the city, you went through the city gates. And often at the city gates, there was officials, there was guards, there was government officials. There were people that sat at the gates of these particular cities and they controlled the operations of what went on. If you had a dispute, you went to the city gate. Now today, most cities have a town hall, town hall or council or, or some kind of government building, and often it's located in the middle of the city or the downtown corridor. In this case, because the walls and the gates represented the outside and the, the barrier to the city, all business in the city was done at the gates on the outskirts of the city. The markets were usually on the outskirts of the city. It was kind of opposite. In our day, we have most of our suburbs are on the outside of the city, while the, the, the center of the city is where all the business and interaction and the, the, the town's runnings are done. And, but on the outside, we have our homes, and it was opposite. The inside was the homes. The outside was the business. And so God speaks to a man called Abram and gives him a promise. We read it this morning. Genesis 22, 17, he said that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and the sands which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. God gave Abraham a promise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. You look at that word nation, it means ethnicity. It means every group of people would be blessed through him. Amen. And another portion of this promise in Genesis 12 and 15, God gives this promise to Abraham multiple times. And in one of these times, God uses not the word nations, but the word families. And this word literally family means tribe or smaller group. So not just God isn't just going to bless all the nations of the earth. But he's literally going to bless every family tribe, every family household. There's going to be the blessing of God that is going to come upon the, bless, the families of the earth. God promised Abraham that, that he would have descendants that would be as numerable as the sand on the seashore. They were gone to a beach somewhere and they have that nice fine white sand that you, you step on it in your bare feet and you just, oh, it's beautiful. It's warm, therapeutic. It's like it hugs your feet. It's just like a nice white sand, like powdered sugar. You're stepping on it and it's, it's beautiful. But have you ever pick that stuff up and you look into it? It's fine little pieces of rock, just tiny microscopic pieces of rock put together. And God said to Abraham, as numerous as the sand, just like you can't count the number of, of, of grains of sand that are on the sand, seashore, so it will be like your, your descendants. There will be so many of them that they could not be counted. Then God at one point told Abraham, I want you to look in the sky, Abraham. Can you count the stars? As numerous as the stars in the heaven, Abraham, so shall your descendants be. I believe God was promising Abraham something twofold. Abraham, you're going to have a natural line of descendants. That's like the sand of the seashore. It's tangible. It's touchable. You can see it. You can feel it. 
you can you can measure it you can even contain it to some degree but it's going to be so much that it, it, it's just going to overwhelm you won't be able to actually count it but it'll be something you can touch and feel and that'll be your natural descendants i believe that was fulfilled in the natural jews the jews that now exist today that are literally in every nation of the world and and and, and carried their descendants their lineage all the way back to Israel and they can point out their family tree and point out their, their line right back to Abraham, the descendants of Abraham. But then God said there's going to be a spiritual descendant, a descendant of spiritual in, uh, 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 descendants that's going to be like the stars of the heaven. You can't touch it. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a it's not a natural thing, but you're going to have both natural descendants, Abraham, and spiritual descendants. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that the Spirit looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ shall share the same blessing Abraham received because of faith. Amen. In verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3, Paul continues this idea that, that Abraham would have spiritual children, not just physical children, not just descendants to his bloodline and his, his natural siring of, of children and family, but, but Abraham would have a spiritual uh, uh, spiritual children and spiritual family that connects to him through faith. Amen. In verse 14 it says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. In other words, Paul was saying that the blessing of Abraham that was going to go to every nation and every family would be the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance, that same promise that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, when many gathered around and said, these are drunk people speaking in different languages in different tongues, and Peter stood up and said, no, these are not drunken as ye suppose, but this is that promise that was spoken of by the prophet Joel in my in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and upon my servants and upon my handmaidens in those days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. This promise. Holy Spirit, this gift of the Spirit that God promised was long promised to Abraham in the book of Genesis. See, even in Genesis, God was looking forward to a day when people wouldn't just visit him at a stone altar or visit him in the beautiful uh, 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 arrangements of a tabernacle, but that their hearts would literally become the new temple in which God would dwell. And God would, instead of carving on tablets of stone his law, he would carve on the hearts of people his laws for them to follow him. He would take out their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. He would take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh that will allow them to be sensitive and soft and pliable to the word of God. Amen. God gave Abraham the promise 
He gave Abraham the promise that this, this would happen to all nations of the world. All families of the earth would be blessed. It is my belief that God literally wants every family tribe in the city of Ajax to have the experience of being baptized in his name yes. and filled with his spirit. Amen. I believe it's the will of God that not any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I believe that even while we are sitting here, while we're going about our daily business, the Spirit of the Lord is calling those who would follow Him. The Spirit, they don't realize it, they may not recognize it as the voice of God, but there is something inside of their heart like a homing signal. Like you never heard those, those pigeons that can fly home? No matter where you let them go, they can fly back to their place of origin because there's something they oriented themselves at birth to their location on the earth and they just they follow the magnetic fields and, and all that it's a mystery of how they do it, but they just they're homing pigeons. They find their way back home. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is moving in the city of Ajax. Yes. And like like that homing pigeon, there's a signal inside of every person that goes off and God begins to call. And God begins to call. And whether or not they answer is up to them. It's on them whether or not they're going to respond to the call. But God is putting his voice out. He's sending his angels out like he did in the New Testament. Angels who visit people like Cornelius and, and people who are doing good things, doing well. God is visiting people, I believe, in their dreams and in their visions. He promised He prophesied it here that old men would dream dreams, young men would see visions, and upon his servants and handmaidens would he pour out his spirit. I believe the spirit of the Lord is moving in the city of Ajax. I believe he's moving in this region. He's looking for those who will respond. So he tells Abraham, I want to bless you. I want every nation of the world, I want every family, every tribe to know this blessing. They may have grown up in a pagan culture. They may have grown up in a godless society. They may have grown up not even knowing the name of Jesus outside of a curse word. They may have grown up in a home that never even talks about God or Jesus. Perhaps they grew up in a home that worships other gods, other deities. Maybe they worship uh, the plethora or the pantheon of the Hindu faith. Maybe they, they worship at the, uh, the, the, the prayer mats of Allah and they, they, they uh, read the Quran and memorize and study and, 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 and allow that word to be placed in their heart. Perhaps they're, they're of a completely different uh, culture group, maybe uh, a, a different kind of faith or a different kind of religion that they worship a different God, but God is calling them. God is beckoning them. God is reaching for them. Maybe yes. they're sleeping today. I don't know if you drove through the under the bridge at Westy Road and saw that little structure set up on them. Maybe they're, maybe they're sleeping under a blanket somewhere in the city of Ajax with a needle in one arm. And, 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 and a cigarette in the other hand. I don't know where they're at today. Maybe they're without shelter, without security, without home, without love, without fear, without hope, without anything today. But God is calling yes. those people and he wants to fill them with his spirit. If you believe that, would you just worship the name of the Lord and lift up his, his name this morning. Jesus, we worship you. Praise you today.
God promised Abraham that you would possess the gates of your enemy. But who is the enemy of the church? It cannot be any of these groups of people we just talked about. Because God is seeking to reach them. Right. So who is the enemy? It doesn't take you very long in scripture to find who the enemy is. You meet him in the third chapter of the first book of the Bible. Amen. Satan, the snake, the serpent. The one who always has a question. I know I don't have a problem with questions. Please understand. I don't have a problem with questions. To seek understanding. A, a question to know and to, to learn is, is, is a wonderful thing. But the devil sometimes likes to question not in order to learn because he already knows. The Bible says that the devil knows that God is one and he fears it and trembles at that reality. Right. Satan already knows. So when Satan asks a question, it's not to gain knowledge. He already knows. When Satan asks a question, it's to instill doubt, fear, intimidation into the hearts of God's people. Satan does not want the people of this world to be free from their sin. He wants them to remain in their addictive state. He doesn't want people to have healthy marriages and good relationships because that would lead them closer to God and further away from his kingdom. He doesn't want people to be baptized or filled with the Spirit. He does not want people to receive forgiveness of their sin, receive reconciliation, and flourish in their God calling. He does not want people to receive the gospel. That's why the Bible says he blinds the eyes of the unbeliever that they would not obey and not see even the light of the gospel of truth. And Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers of this dark world and evil spirits in the heavenly places. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3 verse 8. To bind and torment Satan before his time. To cast him out and to establish the kingdom of God. To rescue the lost sheep out of the, loud, the mouth of the lion. And to expose Satan and bring him to an open shame. See, the, 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 the will of God is not to, uh, to fight against human principalities or powers or governments. Uh, but God wants the church to recognize that there is a spiritual opponent that is more potent than any physical opponent could ever be. And if there is a physical opponent to the church, God wants the church to look past the physical barrier and see a spiritual component to that very thing. Your enemy, your greatest enemy is not the person that opposes you in your workplace or the person that may discriminate you for being a Christian. But your greatest adversary is the spirit of darkness that permeates this age. Your greatest adversary is not so much the individual that you disagree with, but the spirit that is working behind that disagreement to divide and separate and break focus from the kingdom of God and from what God wants that person to do. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8, he said, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door, an effectual door, is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. I want you to know that God is going to open a great door for the church here in Ajax. I believe God is going to open a door to a great harvest of souls 
for this church to see many baptized, many filled, many souls saved for the kingdom and the glory of God. Not to bring glory to this church or to anybody in this church, but to simply and only bring glory and, and honor and praise to God. Yet even though there will be a door, I want you to know that just like Paul faced it in Ephesus, there's going to be many adversaries. Satan is going to stand by idly and watch as we preach and disciple and baptize and pray people through to the Holy Ghost. God, he's not just going to sit around and twiddle his thumbs, but just like Paul sought, had many adversaries and opposing forces uh, to the work that he was doing in Ephesus, so this church will also face many, many adversaries. But hold on. Don't get dismayed. Don't get hopeless. Don't get afraid of that fact because God is going to see this church through every yes. one of those struggles and trials. Amen. In Acts chapter 14, verse 27, the Bible says, When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared that God had done and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They were excited because Jesus had opened a door in Acts chapter 10 to a new group of people. Amen. Before this point, it was only Jews getting saved. It was only Jews getting the Holy Ghost. It was only Jews being baptized 3,000 plus on the day of Pentecost. I believe we could see miracles and things like that right here in the city of Ajax. But up until this point, it was just it was just the Jews being saved. But when Acts 10, the page turns from 9 to 10, God starts dealing with Peter and a man by the name of Cornelius. And the, my, my favorite sermon that was ever preached in the Bible is preached by Peter to the group at Cornelius' house. And it wasn't Peter's sermon that was so exciting to me when I read that passage, but the Bible said that while Peter was speaking, Hallelujah. the Holy Ghost fell, and they received the gift of the Spirit while Peter was preaching. There could be no greater move of God in my mind. I mean, there probably is, but I just... I can't wait for the day that while in the middle of my message someone throws their hands in the air and for the first time begins to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's a book of Acts move of God. That's a, that, that might make you a little uncomfortable. There were some people getting excited around the altar last week after church was over. And that, that might make you a little nervous. That's a little different. I, I want that to happen more and more and more. I want there to be a move of God. I want to see people people restored and healed and families brought together. I want to see people break out in the spirit and begin to receive the Holy Ghost right in the middle of a message. It doesn't disrupt the service. It's not out of order to respond to the moving of God's spirit. It's in order to respond to what God is doing amen. in the service. Amen, amen. Cornelius was a devout believer in God. He did good things. I believe there's devout believers in Ajax. Mm. Believers in God that do good works. But they need to be brought to a greater level of understanding yes, in sir. the word of God. Amen. They're like Cornelius. They give to the poor. They do good works. They believe. They pray. But they haven't yet received the Holy Ghost or been baptized. Amen. And they need someone like Peter to go to their house. Not bring them to church. Hmm. I'll say that again. Amen. They need someone like Peter to go to their house, yes. not wait for them to come to church, and teach them a Bible study in their living room. And while they're teaching the Bible study, tears begin to flow down their cheeks. And the, the Spirit of the Lord begins to move in that setting. That kind of thing needs to happen in this city. God sends Peter 
to the hungry and send the hungry to Peter. God opened the door for the Gentiles. God also opened the door in Greece, in Macedonia, by way of a vision. A man appeared to Paul in the night saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul goes over to Macedonia and when he gets there, he meets a woman by the name of Lydia, a seller of purple, a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Mm, in the vision, Paul sees a man he gets to Macedonia and God leads him to a woman. Right. Don't get stuck on the color of the door. Amen. Amen. When God opens the door, walk through it. Amen. Amen. They may not look like exactly what you thought. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if God gave Paul a vision of a woman, he might not have gone. He might have thought of that was just his his uh, bread and fish from the mm -hmm. night before. Right. God, God spoke to him in a way that would move him to where he needed to be. And when he got there, God then put the person that needed to be where he needed to be. Don't get, if they have tattoos all over their body and piercings in every orifice of their body, don't get turned off by that. Don't let that hinder you. If they look different from you, if they're wearing a burqa or a hijab, or if they're wearing some kind of Hindu uh, paraphernalia to, to demonstrate their worship to their, their god or goddess that they follow or worship. Don't let that stop you. Don't worry about the color of the door or what the door looks like on the outside. Let the Lord open and lead you and walk through that open door to preach the gospel to every family, every nation, every creature. Amen. 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 It was God who opened the door. He opened the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ to these people. Persistent prayers sometimes are required to open a door. This church needs to be a praying church. We need to be praying constantly that God would lead us to the hungry and open doors for us to reach people that we love with the gospel. There was this parable that Jesus told of a man who was sleeping and his friend comes and knocks on his door in the middle of the night. And it was that persistence of knocking. And the man said, what do you want? And he says, I need a loaf of bread. I've got some friends that have come by night and I have nothing to feed them. He says, I can't open the door. My children are asleep. Don't bug me. Kind of like how I feel when the salesman rings the doorbell after <laughs> 7 o'clock at night. I ring right. their doorbell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't bug me. My kids are going to bed. Keep the house quiet. It's time for sleep. Right. Right? Don't bother me. The door is locked. But the Bible says that because he persistently knocked, and he knocked, and he wouldn't leave him alone, it wasn't because they were friends that he went and got the bread. Right. It wasn't because they were good neighbors. It wasn't even for, for, for the shame of, of the culture and the, the collectivist nature of their culture that they, he got up out of his bed and gave his friend the loaf of bread. But he, he gave the loaf of bread because he wouldn't stop knocking on the door. And Jesus said, it's the same principle that everyone who asks will receive and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. Sometimes God wants you to be persistent in your prayers. If you pray and you seek and that person doesn't come to faith in Christ, 
Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Don't give up just because the door doesn't open the first time. But go and try to find the key to that door. Go to, go to prayer and ask God, what is the door? What is the key to this person's heart? How can I reach this person with the gospel? Lord, don't let them be lost. Give a zeal and a passion to see the lost saved. Amen. And to knock until the door is open. I'm preaching to you about an open door for this church. This church, the dream and the vision for this church is to see every culture and every ethnicity reached within this community. I believe God is calling this church to be a gateway church. A church that reaches into a community, a group of people, and that group will open the door to a brand new area of outreach for the church. I believe that God is going to call missionaries out of this church. I believe that God is going to put it on the heart of somebody. They're going to, that I have visions and dreams of seeing people from different groups and ethnicities, closed culture groups to the gospel, and then coming through the doors of the church and of salvation. And through their influence, they begin to reach into their community, right. into their groups of people. And there's even people from Axis Challenge Nations that live within the borders of the nation of Ajax. Where a missionary from North America probably wouldn't be able to get across the border of that country very easily and open up the gospel in that, that closed nation because of their laws and their, their legalities. But if they could, they, they've already moved to Ajax. If that group, if that person from that closed nation could receive the gospel and be saved here, they are, and by the way, this is already happening in other churches where, where they've reached into Iranian groups and they've reached into different groups where the nation is closed and they're having church meetings on Zoom across the nations. Praise the Lord. People Praise are coming to faith, Praise praying them through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost over Zoom. Praise the Lord. While, they, while they're in one, right here in Canada, they're praying people and their family mm. through the Holy Ghost in a nation that's closed to the gospel. Mm. What I'm saying is I believe God can use this church as a gateway into closed nations and unreached people groups of this world. But we've got to have an open door mentality. We've got to have an eye that's looking for the opportunities and the open doors that God wants to set before us. I believe God wants to use this church to not only support missionaries, but to release missionaries into the field. People who will go into another nation and begin a church or start a preaching point or start some kind of a, an outreach to a group of people that have never yet heard the name of Jesus or the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe there's homeless and unsheltered people in the city of Ajax that have a calling on their life. They don't realize it, they don't know it, they don't understand it, but they can be an instrumental to reaching the unsheltered, the drug addicted, the, the, the strung out individuals. Uh, uh, Josh Resar, a preacher within the, the, the Ontario district, was once strung out on drugs. $400 a day cocaine addiction and God reached into that addiction and pulled him out and he's now an evangelist that travels all over the world preaching crusades and bringing people to faith in Jesus, uh, praying them through to the gift of the Holy Ghost, seeing them baptized, seeing miracle signs and wonders. If 
God can do that in a, a, a drug addict's life from Peterborough. Surely he can pull somebody out of the pit here in Ajax uh, and not just restore their life uh, and not just restore their health uh, and not just restore their mind, uh, but put a calling on them uh, to reach into the same pit that they were pulled from Amen. and reach for somebody else. Praise the Lord. A friend of mine recently told me his testimony. And he was, he was act, he actually grew up right here in Ajax. He was messed up on drugs. He was messed up in, in promiscuous lifestyles, living this way and that way. And finally found his way to a church where his grandfather was pastoring. And he was, he was there in the service. God touched him and began to move in his life. And, and he said at the end of that service, his aunt came up to him and gave him a hug. And it broke him in that service. Mm. Just a hug. She didn't do much, he says, but I realized for the first time in he didn't know how many years he had not been hugged right. in years. And he didn't even know it until she reached out and hugged him. And all of a sudden, like a flood, he realized it has been so long since someone reached over and hugged me with love. Amen. I had been hugged in relationships, but it was only for self-gratification and pleasure. I had been hugged here and there, but it was never that love that I craved, that I was seeking for. And that broke me. I began to cry as he told me that story because I was so moved by a simple hug. You don't realize, you don't even understand sometimes what you take for granted, that you get a hug from somebody and it's just like a regular occurrence. But I'm telling you, there's people that even may even walk into this church building that have never felt a hug for years. They have not been hugged or loved on or cared for. And God wants to reach their soul. Jesus has a vision for this church. Jesus has a vision for this city. He has a vision for this city, but I'm wondering if there's anybody that will get into a place of prayer and begin to talk to God and say, God, give me that vision for this city. I recently went and began to talk to the Immigration Welcome Center here in the city of Ajax, and you'll hear this over the next few weeks of some more information. I don't know if you know this, but the Motel 6, just down the street from us, that is the hotel where the Immigrations Canada for this region is sending refugees from countries like Ghana, Nigeria, Afghanistan, all kinds of different countries from all over the world, Ukraine. And when they, they, they have such a backlog, they're calling it a refugee crisis. They're in a crisis mode because they don't have housing for these people. And I was talking to the people at the Welcome Center. They said some of them are on a 12-year waiting list. By the time they get the house or the housing built, it's going to be 12 years unless they can find housing in other places. And as you know, the rental and, and mortgage market is absolutely crazy. So they have this crisis, and the Motel 6 is currently housing families, refugee families, 
And I spoke to my friend who works for the government of Canada in immigration. I called him up. He's a pastor in uh, Leamington, Ontario. He used to live in Ottawa, worked at, in, in the nation's immigration, still still does work for them. And I said, tell me, what is it like when you, when you begin to reach into the immigrate, immigrant and refugee populations? Well, you need to know there's a difference between re refugee and immigrant. A refugee is fleeing something traumatic. It says, I don't know what they're running from, but they're running from something that was threatening their life. And some of them left with whatever they could put on their back and carry with them. They didn't have money, to, they, didn't, they don't have resources to set themselves up when they get here. So when they get here, they're completely at the mercy of whatever the, the country that's receiving them can provide for them. And some of these families, while they have their hotel, their, their lodging is taken care of, which by the way is nothing more than a room with a microwave and a fridge and a TV for families. And they're given $300 a month to buy their groceries for a family. And, and I said to the lady at the welcome center, I said, $300? That's like a week's of groceries for a family of five. She said, yes, thank you. That's, that takes care of one week unless they, they, they don't buy super expensive things. They have to be very frugal. And, and so they're constantly relying on food banks and, and drives and things. And, and, and uh, you'll hear more, but I believe there is an open door here. I don't know how the door is going to open. I don't know who God is going to lead us to, but for the next little while, we're going to start looking, and Pastor's already been talking with the Welcome Center, saying, what, what is it that this church can do? What is it that we can do to touch the lives of these people? And I just want you to know, God, is, God has been moving on me before I went to General Conference. And when I went to General Conference, God began to speak things to my spirit and into my heart over this thing, he began to connect me, like miraculously connect me with people that would help through this this uh, this endeavor and this drive because I believe there is an open door here. That if God has somebody in this group that is maybe a refugee or maybe an immigrant, and, and I was talking to Reverend Shadi Azar. He's uh, a medical doctor, but he's in Troy, Michigan. He's also assisting his, his pastor there and He's over the Muslim and Islamic ministries trying to reach into this and the multicultural ministries. And he said, the greatest opportunity to reach a Muslim with the gospel is when they immigrate to a new country. Because when you change, you're open to change. When you change your living space, that's what pastor says, it's good for you to move out of your seat and come to the altar. Because when you change your physical position, you open yourself to spiritual change. There's just... It's, it's, a, it's a thing. And he said, when people change locations, they're open to other kinds of change because their life has been upended. Everything has changed. So it's not a big idea to now change. It's still a big idea. And there's lots to that. We'll talk about those things and we'll try to be educated and, and equipped in these things. But I believe there's an open door here. I believe God wants us to walk through an open door to reach people. Maybe, who knows, the kinds of individuals that we're going to be able to help or strengthen or minister to or see saved and, and what that could lead to, who they could connect us to and, and how God can grow this church because we're not about just being us four and no more. This isn't a church to just 
be a legacy church where we just sit around and, and sing songs and have good services and have entertaining gatherings together, but we're here to see the lost saved. We're here to see drug addicts lose their addictions. We're here to see broken families brought back together. We're here to see those who've never heard of the love of Jesus uh, find freedom and hope. We're here to give a hug to somebody who hasn't had a hug in almost five or six or seven or eight or ten years, however long it's been since they've been loved on. That's what this church is for. That's why we are here. God is putting before this church an open door. Why? Why, pastor? Why Why preach so hard about this? Why make this such a big deal? Because there's people that need what we have. Amen. There's people that need the kind of love you've felt. There's people that need the forgiveness that you've received. Can we stand? I wonder if you'd come to this altar and if we would just begin to pray and ask God to help us. I wonder if we begin to pray and ask God to speak to us and help us get a zeal for his house. A zeal for the kingdom of God. Help us to have a mindset, Lord Jesus, that reaches the lost. Help us to seek your face, Jesus. In Jesus' name, give us a passion for the lost. Give us a passion for your kingdom, Jesus. Help us to reach out and see what you see. Help us to see, Lord God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Say yes, Lord, I agree. My desire passionately is to be what you call me to be. That's what I'll be.
Maybe they would have never been able to hear the gospel in their home nation. But they're here in the city of Ajax, just a stone's throw away from this church. Jesus, help us to reach them. Help us to reach them with the gospel. Maybe they're believing in a God that doesn't have ears to hear or eyes to see. They're praying to a God day in and day out with no answer. But Lord, if they could just call on your name them in their dreams, Lord. You'd send an angel to them to lead them, Lord Jesus, to someone in this church, to teach them a Bible study, to baptize them in your name, and to see them filled with the Spirit, Lord. Let it be done in this city. Let it be done through this church. Help us to be a church, God, that walks through this open door of opportunity into this nation, into this region. Regardless of their skin color, regardless of the language they speak, regardless of their family heritage, regardless of what kind of struggle or addiction they're facing, Jesus, help us to see the lost and the hurting. Help us to see them, oh God. Help us to reach them with the gospel in Jesus' name.